Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. The genius of George Balanchine, the man who reinvented ballet for the 20th century, is celebrated in this homage to his unparalleled choreography, the basis of his work for the New York City Ballet and the technique taught to the world-renowned School of American Ballet. Some of Balanchine's greatest stars describe his inventiveness, precision, speed, and the musicality he demanded. It's a wonderful documentary film called In Balanchine's Classroom, and we're joined today by the director of this wonderful documentary film, and that would be Connie Hockman. Connie, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you so much. This is a, a wonderful documentary film on a lot of levels. For some people, George Balanchine is a name that they may have heard. They're not really familiar enough with him in his work because he left us in 1983. But what was the impetus, the inspiration for you to do a documentary about George now? The idea had um, been floating in my head for many, many years, an embarrassingly long time. The seed was planted when I was a child at the School of American Ballet and got to observe him because Balanchine used many children in his productions of The Nutcracker, Midsummer Night's Dream, Don Quixote, it goes on and on. For all of us, it makes it made a very strong impression. First of all, his dancers, his creatures, and how they how they moved. His rapport with his dancers, electrifying atmosphere in the room, very comfortable, relaxed atmosphere in the room, but charged. His presence was made the air charged. He was very gentle, very soft-spoken, and he worked with the children in wonderful ways, never ever talking down, just almost like we're little adults, very respectful. So that combination of uh, observations, experiences never left me. And as I danced, professionally. And then as I taught, I kept getting hints that the dancers who worked with Balanchine, not just the ones who danced his ballets, I got to dance his ballets, but the ones who were in the company and got to take this morning class that I heard about when I was going through School of American Ballet, they knew something. They knew something about technique and it was beyond, way beyond technique, but they just had some kind of understanding that I, I wanted to find out about. And that, that left that impression on you. And how far did you pursue your dancing career? I danced with Pennsylvania Ballet for five years. I had to stop. I ran into a medical problem. But when I was there, it had been founded, uh, Pennsylvania Ballet, by a protege of Balanchine, Barbara Weisberger. And we did an enormous amount of Balanchine ballets, in addition to other nice works. I did not dance that long. Five years is not that long for a dancer. You know, you need a lot of stage experience to really start getting beyond technique. And uh, I had a taste of it, but I thought I would dance much longer. I couldn't. But there was unfinished business. Right. I, I was going to say, is that part of the motivation for you to pursue this particular project? Is Was there some part of you? Because in the film, we get an opportunity to spend some time 
with, as I think you refer to them as his creatures, some of the people who, who continue to teach, who, who are part mentoring others uh, in the dance world. It was that some of it. Um, well, go ahead. It, it, did, did that motivate you in some way? Um, that I stopped dancing. Yeah. Uh, I, I think you you touched on something. I do think there was an incomplete feeling. I don't know if I, I probably never would have come to the point I am now feeling satiated, finally understanding uh, more about his teaching. If I had danced, I probably wouldn't have gotten at that route. It really took pursuing his dancers and having concentrated time to really go deep into his teaching. And it's not easy to explain it, but a combination of them talking about something they're passionate about, something they know through and through in every fiber of their being, being performers, they were performers. And so once they, I think, had a, a rapt audience in me, they, they eventually went all the way. I think you just said it's, it's difficult to describe, but is there a, a characteristic? Is there something in a balancing project that distinguishes it in some way from others? Some, is there a consistent thread in his work? Um, is it the precision? Is it the, is no, it, you know, is there something in that, and that you would recognize this as a balancing? Oh, his, his ballets, actually the range is, is, um, is absolutely um, staggering the, the breadth. So I think you, you actually, I, I don't think you can really lump them together. You know, there's the Americana, there's very classical, there's more jazzy, there's abstract. I mean, it just it just is is a huge breath. I that's one of the most distinctive aspects of his body of work is just the, the range. Let's go back to the, the beginning of his life and who who he is, where he came from. Where did George Balanchine grow up and do we, and and is his inspiration or his journey towards this world that he became such a big part of? Okay, I just that last question really yeah. stumped me. But I think if there is one thread, yeah. one common denominator, I think we can safely, definitively say it's musicality. Okay, it's okay. The musicality okay. that doesn't matter if he's using Stravinsky, Tchaikovsky, um, doesn't matter what the who the composer. It's the musicality. He, he captures. And uh, as one dancer said, you know, he said, if you are using the music as an accompaniment, this is to the dancers. If you're using the music as an accompaniment, you're not really hearing the music. And, and she said it was as though we swallowed the music. And, you know, that's how she put it. So I think it's the way he choreographed, but the way he taught and the way they danced, that was the one universal, you know, pervading um, dimension was the musicality. And that's such an important thing for an audience hearing music, but it's something very subtle, but also very key to delivering a performance, right? That That's yeah. something that that's very insightful, first of all. And secondly, when you see it play out, you see how important it is. Right. When you yes. see it played out the way he was able to to get from his dancers. So I'll ask that question again. Then let's talk a little bit about George Balanchine, his life, where he came from. He was born in 1904. What do, what do we know about his background? He um, was pretty much abandoned 
by his family at the Imperial School. His sister was auditioning. They noticed this little boy. They said, why not him? He auditioned. They took him. And his parents, it was not their fault, but uh, he's this little boy and he's at this, you know, this academy and his entire education. And it was very hard. Um, he ran away. His aunt, his aunt in, in St. Petersburg returned him to the school. And uh, what makes an impression on me from his from his recounting this to his dancers in class, and you know he was sometimes very conversational. He said, um, you know, he has a little twitch, and they called they called him Rat. He was very unhappy, but they used children in the productions too, and he got to be a page in Sleeping Beauty, and the way his dancer recounts this, uh, him describing it is that night on stage with the costumes and the lights and the Tchaikovsky, he, he said he realized what ballet could be and he was kind of transported. And even though he was so young at the school and you know, he just started keying in and that's when he realized ballet was something. And he had his musical training. I mean, his superb musical training and I'm sure he was a musical genius. But at one point, he started choreographing. And so then, you know, the, the war, the revolution, and he, he was choreographing just to make a little money and, and, you know, just whatever he could do. And finally, he put together a little troupe and he got permission to take his little troupe on a little tour outside Russia. And uh, once he got out, Germany, and uh, he never turned back. And so that's, you know, how he met with Diaghilev and got invited to into the Ballet Russe to choreograph. And that's how he just, uh, that's how he found freedom finally. Yeah. He found freedom and support, you know, through Lincoln Kirsten in America, what he couldn't find anywhere else. And that's why he became such a very patriotic American. And uh, we're, we're lucky. Growing up in Russia when he was born in 1904 through the time he was there, I don't think you could have asked for a more tumultuous environment to grow up in. World War I, the revolution, all of, the, all of that that occurred in the time he was in Russia, pretty remarkable. And giving someone a perspective once they got away from that, that it seems to have really yeah had a direct bearing on his life. By the way, I want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with Connie Hawkman as she is the director of this documentary film about George Balanchine called In Balanchine's Classroom. And that brings me to the part of the film, which is so alive and wonderful part of the film. It is, it is about George Balanchine, but it's also about the people that he set free in the world of dance. And uh, we get to meet a lot of the, the people who are still involved, still teaching, still preaching the gospel of Balanchine to, to a new generation of, of dancers. Something you always wanted to do in terms of kind of this story, this particular project, did this sort of come to you as you were beginning to go through his life? How did this part of the documentary come to be? Actually, no one has asked me that uh, yet. And it's it's so, so much fun to remember. It wasn't fun at the time because I was just tortured how to tell the story you know, how much is it about Balanchine? How much is it about the dancers he trained? It's their experiences. It was just very, very difficult to find the actual story. But I knew I needed a way into his classroom. 
and some kind of uh, way to tie it into today so the relevance of it is really clear. It's not some abstract story in the past, but it's totally tied in with dance today, dancers today, and this you know huge body of work. So I remember speaking with my husband, you know, we were just, it was like trying to solve a problem, you know, like a dinner, we'd just be constantly how, how to tell the story visually. I got this image of, um, you know, his dancers today are, are all over the world, staging his ballets, teaching class, directing, I mean, directing companies are just so active. We had started to film them. Um, I just had this need to film them in action to show who they are today, not just people in their teens, 20s, 30s, but to show them, you know, living, breathing, dynamic people. And so we we were acquiring this footage, but I kind of didn't know how to connect. And then finally, I got this image of Mary Poppins, the movie, when Dick Van Dyke and Julie Andrews kind of jump into the sidewalk picture. And then this world comes to life. And so I realized that was a portal, like each setting where they're teaching class or they're staging a ballet, that is the portal into what Balanchine did for them and did with them. His own little universe with them, this classroom where so much happened. And that's how we decided to use the present day footage. It works beautifully. And uh, again, not only do we get to see them in their environment, in their world of teaching, but we see along with it, a generation, a new generation of dancers who are coming into their own. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, was that clear? Like, I remember those pictures on the sidewalk that the children drew at the park in, in um, Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. Do you, I don't know if you know, but as a child, they, they drew pictures on the sidewalk, chalk pictures. And they were so wonderful that they, the people wanted to actually go. And that's what they did. They dove in. So that's what I meant about they dove into those pictures. It, we see them teaching, but we also see another generation of, of dancers coming into their own. Oh, yes. Is, oh, yes. The young dancers today who are, it's a little bit like their relationship with the Balanchine dancers is a little bit like Balanchine's relationship with his dancers. So it's very, uh, hard to explain dance and movement. And it, it's a real gift. Um, Ed, Edward Valella says, mind to mind, body to body. That's how Balanchine explained it, mind to mind, body to body. But you have to try all things. And Balanchine realized that one of the ways is to capture the imagination. So he used all this imagery, but some of it is very cryptic at first. It, it's it, And he used very few words. I guess I'm just surmising, but that the dancer had to travel and do the homework and do the work so that it became real in them. You can't just give it to someone. You can set the scene and give them hints. And so, so this is what the balancing dancers today do. They use a lot of imagery. They observe the dancer they're working with very closely. Some use a lot of words. Some use it's so individual how they teach. But Balanchine chose amazing, amazing raw material, these dancers to work with. They had such gifts of um, perception and their own individual flair and style and quirkiness. And so all of this comes out when they're teaching. No two are alike. And the young dancers today have to try to 
like they like the balancing dancers do the balancing. They have to try to sort it all out and make sense of it. It's coming at them, and it's sometimes very cryptic, and it's a lot of information to sort through and and to uh, interpret. But they're brilliant. I mean, you see Tyler Peck and Unity Phelan and Calvin Royal and Stella Bear. You see them, even the young dancers who are just in their you know teens, and they're just you know they're just so hungry. And a seed is planted and they they slowly will make sense of it and then take it in their own way. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. Today's dancers will build on it. For some reason, there have been a number of documentary films that have come out of late about dancing. And one recent one, and you work with Tom Hurwitz as a part of your uh, mm -hmm. uh, director of cinematography on this film, but Can You Bring It, Bill T. Jones and... D-Man in the Waters was a great documentary film about Bill T. Jones and to watch him and to watch George Balanchine in the classroom, essentially teaching his dancers is this, it's a really very interesting art form, first of all, because of its physicality. Think what it distinguishes it from music and from theater and from, from uh, other art forms is the, the, sheer physicality of dance and the stress that that puts on the artist in a very regular way, as you experienced in your own life, how physically demanding it is. And yet at the same time, being able to hold on to this idea that you were describing of, you know, the artist bringing out the artist in the dance, in the dancer and in manifesting itself in the dance. It's a really interesting thing to watch, to watch people take in information and, let it manifest itself in their body. That's what they're doing. They're making their body, forcing it or making it uh, convey a certain emotion, a certain feeling. And I just, it's just a fascinating thing to really dive into. And you do this very effectively through George Balanchine, but in the work of, as I said, the new generation. Is this, am I, is this a fair assessment of, of the work? And Yes, yes. I, and I, the other thing I, that bring that comes to mind in terms of dance, I described this to another director who I had on, and that is, it has to be, maybe I'm guessing it's the first form of art that human beings embarked upon, and without knowing it, dance, physical expression, before even language, I assumed that we were as a species communicating through the way we moved, the way we reacted to each other was probably the very one of the very first things we did in our in our development. So the roots of this go you know, go back to the very beginning of the existence of human beings. Yeah. It, it, I mean again if this sounds um, accurate no, I, or I, I connect with what you're saying um very very deeply. Uh, Jacques Amboise described it um who Jacques is not with us anymore died recently but Jacques described it as the moment you meet someone and if you put out your your hand you are already dancing you're doing a gesture right you know, it's a gesture of friendship you put out your hand uh he just described where we're always in a dance yeah and just how important that is in our life exactly what you're saying how we express ourselves physically exactly what you said yeah i totally agree i just i'm finding uh, through these very interesting documentary films. Uh, there was one on Alvin Ailey recently that came out that I happened to see and had the opportunity to talk to the director about. So 
whatever it is, it's in the air for us to know more about dance, because in some ways it feels like it doesn't get its due in terms of some of the other art forms that we're familiar with. And it's always a struggle. It feels like it's almost always a struggle for dance to find its place in, in, with, an, with an audience. Is it, again, is this a... Yes, I, I think that's, um, you, you know, you, you just keyed into something so essential that dance is communication, you know, very profound communication way beyond words. It's uh, on that plane with music. And the problem with ballet is that because of what you described, the technique being so hard, the um, actual vocabulary is just so difficult to master that the dancer can very easily fall into uh, mastering just the words and sentences and punctuation and grammar. And they, you know, it's easy to lose the whole meaning, the whole purpose and, you know, reason we dance is to communicate. And, you know, the dancer can go down this rabbit hole and really lose the original motivation, which was to express, express something deep, deep within the soul that's universal, but express something that's very, very individual to that, that being. What Balanchine was able to do was not lose sight of that. He taught them in the morning a technique that was so mathematically precise. He got it ingrained in the body like pianists doing scales so that there was no thought left. He pushed them into a place where they would be in the moment, so present with the music, you know, it was like ju jumping over into the ocean, vastness, and they could go to an unknown place, never done before, never seen before, because it was of that moment alone. And he tuned that instrument. So all of those qualities were in perfect alignment. It wasn't too technical. It wasn't, you know, just so abandoned with the music that you, you lost the, the beautiful filigree of the movement. It was so just perfectly tuned you know the energy was high but the refinement was there it was just that's what he did he tuned each one of them and each one of them uniquely because some had more energy than the others they they didn't need to you know to to raise the energy um someone like edward valella balanchine had to kind of temper temper him say you don't have to give all every moment he's just about the only one that he said that to colleen neary most of them needed their energy up but he uh did it in that's how he brought out their individual artistry but not just artistry their individual spirit that's fantastic thank you the, the film is in balanchine's classroom and it is opening at the Lemley Glendale Theater in Los Angeles, or in Glendale, but it's L.A. adjacent, uh, on September 24th. And I urge you to check this out. Not only is it a wonderful overview of George Balanchine's life and his work and why he's such an important part of the history of dance, certainly here in the United States, and really his influence is profound all over the world, but also seeing the people who he mentored, who he pushed, who he made better as dancers and in many ways better as human beings as well. Uh, and that is a big part of this documentary film in Balanchine's classroom. Connie Hawkman, uh, anything to add to that or anything else uh, you'd like to mention about 
now it, we covered so much. Uh, I just just very full of gratitude for the opportunity you've given me. I'm very excited about people learning about Balanchine as a teacher and and uh, his incredible dancers who who um, are vessels for this uh, amazing experience he bestowed upon them. Thank you. Thank you so much. I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation about George Balanchine and about your work. When the time comes, hope you'll come back with another project, certainly somewhere down the line. That'd be great. Connie Hawkman, thank you so much for being here on Film School Radio. Thank you so much for a wonderful opportunity. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Thank you.